Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, my friend, and welcome. I'm Daryl Urbanski, and today I have something special for you. What you're about to hear today isn't part of what we usually do. Today, I'd like to spend some personal time with you and for us to get to know each other better. So to start, I'll be sharing some of my life stories with you, plus introducing you to some of the grandfathers of my business acumen. In fact, the next few weeks, I'll be introducing you to the grandfathers of my education, plus you're going to get select never-released recordings of people interviewing me where I give some of my best business and life advice ever. We all learn from various people, various people we know for various amounts of time. Some people we share just a single impactful moment together. Others, a full weekend. And some of us have people in our lives who have always been there, always guiding us, and always sharing our paths. Well, I would like to share some of these people who have guided me with you. Your life really can change based on the things you learn and the people you meet. So please enjoy this special series of classic and never-released recordings in this 10-part interview series. Enjoy. Welcome to the My Future Business podcast. I'm here today with Daryl Urbanski. Is that how you pronounce it, Daryl? That's right. You got it. Fantastic. First time around, has that? <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's the founder and president of bestbusinesscoach.ca, uh, and that's best known for their ability to create, well, actually, he's best known for his ability to create seven-figure automated income streams from scratch. Daryl, tell us a little bit about that. What, what's that all about? Sure. Well, yeah. Um, essentially, so if I were in, so I'm obviously I'm an entrepreneur and a marketer. Um, everyone who's in business, it's, it's at some point way, shape and form a marketer or a salesperson because that's kind of the nature of business in a lot of ways. So, but if I were at any sort of business conference or marketing conference, I would introduce myself as a direct response database marketing automator. So I use a lot of tools that marketing automation tools essentially, and I mentioned the, the word database marketing. And so part of what that is, is taking the leads you have and sifting, sorting, and screening them to put them into automated processes which follow up, which remind salespeople, which do all those sorts of things, which help make sure that the business is working. So it's it's really the quintessential idea of working on your business versus in your business. Righto. Okay. Are we, are we talking um, about software such as the likes of Infusionsoft and Entreports and things like that? Or is this something completely uh, different than that? No, you hit the nail on the head. In fact, I think kind of one of the most uh, silent but powerful innovations in the business arena, um, mm -hmm. at least recently, was the autoresponder. Because prior to that, everything had to be a manual process. You know, yeah. prior to an autoresponder, and for, for the listeners that are listening in, just to clarify, for some people, an autoresponder is, you know, I email you, but you're on vacation, so it spits an email back saying, hey, I'll be back in a week. You know, and that's an autoresponder, but that's like a one email autoresponder. There's actually autoresponders like the ones you mentioned where you can schedule a calendar of emails, either by how many days to wait, how many hours to wait, um, mm -hmm. you know, or how many months to wait in between each email, or you can have specific dates. So you can actually have, hey, send this email on you know Valentine's Day send this email on there and you can add someone to your software to your database and you know mm -hmm. and mark them to get those emails and so you're not having to wake up every day and write those fresh and that's a really 
powerful thing when you think about it because you can take simple things in your business and automate them. For example, mm. um, not to run away on it with the show or anything, but to, for example, one of the things when I had uh, my when I really got into automation, I had a martial arts school and I automated my uh, my new customer called it my new customer welcome sequence. So at my martial arts school, I had six month contracts and I had one year contracts, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I already knew when someone bought that we would have to have six months to a year of communication. So they would go into an right. autoresponder where the first couple of weeks they would get more emails with tips and resources and you know and try to overcome that buyer's remorse and of course at the end of the first month I would send them a survey say hey how's your experience been so far all these things that I you know that I want to to have um, everyone experience but would take a lot of manpower to manage when you're talking about like having a hundred plus members you know 150 students you know you're trying to remember who's on day what and oh geez I got to follow up with that person and so that's yeah that's that's a big part um, those tools and and the internet's just really changed things in a lot of ways for for every business. Yeah, well, look, um, and one of the key things I picked up on that uh, th- those comments is that there seems to be a lot of uh, individuals that I've ex- uh, spoken with that seem to be stuck in this purely online environment, and we're talking about a martial arts uh, organization which could be no further away from the online environment Correct. or you would think uh, and you've you've somehow been able to rope them into the online environment based on the need for that ongoing communication and and that's a really powerful thing for people who are listening to understand that that's that's actually how you can use this in your business if you are that traditional brick and mortar type business that's you you've got that right i mean you hit the nail on the head um because a lot of people that's actually in some ways it was a blessing uh not a curse because i would get frustrated because i would see some people and now that's part of why and it, so hold on let me say one thing at a time i'm trying to say like four things at once but you're right because the brick and mortar and it was a small town and not only a small town but especially with martial arts like it's a sub niche niche product because martial arts is a sub niche of sports and then even if you like say someone's interested in martial art there's so many different styles of martial art who's interested in your style and then even your Mm. style who's actually interested in training right now and so i was in a small town of like a hundred thousand people and so i had to really automate things in order to be able to be profitable and scale otherwise you can't really afford to do that and so you know like you said it's a brick and mortar business but the online stuff still applies because the business is a business is a business and systems like the marketing and sales and fulfillment systems are the same the only thing that really changes is what people are delivering as like you know what problems they're solving that's the difference the pain point customers are having and how they're how they're solving that for them but ultimately the vast majority of businesses are they fit into different models there's different model types and when you know them it's just a structure and a framework to build Mm, there's, I mean, there's just so much confusion for beginners out there, especially, um, you know, when they're hearing things like, uh, you know, lead magnets and tripwires and core products, and it, it becomes overwhelming for a beginner. So um, thinking about that in that sort of way, we talk about these high-end systems that can do all of these things, but if we go back a couple of steps, Daryl, and we and we start thinking about that beginner, um, with your expertise, would you start them off at something like an Infusionsoft, or would there be other options that could be, um, you know, recommended for for people just starting out in terms of autoresponders and having this sort of technology? Right. That's a fabulous question, and I'm really glad you asked that. And, you know, for a lot of people, it just kind of depends uh, how committed they are. Are they interested or are they committed? Because if you're committed, then you can go get an expert tool, but just because you have an expert tool doesn't mean you know how to use it expertly. So that's where if you're just you know, kind of, you know, playing around and trying to figure out the kind of the, 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 where the walls and boundaries are at. There's a ton of free tools and even really cheap tools. You don't need to go get to some high-powered things, but obviously the high-powered ones allow you to do a way more sophisticated stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just about staying in touch with people. I mean, Drayton Bird, who's a copywriter out of the UK, has a wonderful quote, and he said, the goal in business is to locate a prospect and to turn them into a customer and then to take that customer and turn them into a friend. 
And that speaks yeah. to kind of direct response marketing where, you know, they say the money is in the list. And what they mean is the money is in the relationship with your clients. Because if your business yeah. lives and breathes off having a one-time sale with someone, I mean, that's like trying to find fulfillment romantically by having a, a string of one-night stands. You know, where <laughs> it's, it really yeah. is, right? Whereas yeah. versus I mean, everybody knows, it's like one of those common sense things that's not really common where everybody knows that a business needs regulars to stay, to be sustainable. But no one's actively trying to create a method of creating regulars. They just, you know, like I go to restaurants all the time. I go and I spend my money and I leave and they have no idea who I am. They have no idea where I live. They have no, none of that. And if they're slow and they need customers, they're going to go and some sales rep's going to knock on their door and they're just going to spend money on whatever they pitch them because they know they should be doing marketing. But now they have an ad in some newspaper going to a geriatric center. You know what I mean? But they're like, that's not even who they cater to. And so there's this huge mismatch and they're not, that's again, the database marketing component. They're not selling to the people that are actually in their restaurant and actually giving them money. And that's where they're just totally blind, missing this common sense fact that's not as common as we as it should be that hey if i just come in and i bring 10 people and we all spend you know 30 bucks you know like find out who we are some way at least find out what area we live in so then when you go do to do marketing and get new customers you know what i mean it's a little bit more focused absolutely i mean i think we're talking about target targeting your marketing and and when i start thinking about direct response marketing obviously identifying who is you know the, the the triangle, the the right market, the right message, and the right uh, you know yes. Matt. Yes. Um, it, and I, I, I just had a, a gentleman's name come to mind, Dan Kennedy. Yep. Uh, and you know anybody in this game who knows anything about anything knows the Godfather of direct response marketing. So uh, you know I, I'm really interested in, in understanding a little bit about who you're following at the moment, Daryl. Who's who's having the most impact on your way of thinking? That's a great question, and I need to think about that to answer it well. Because I've got, you know, like anything, we've all had have had a lot of mentors, and I want to give credit to a lot of them. It's yeah. tough to say though, to be honest, because right now, um, you know, I, I I don't know if I can or can't mention, but I also have a podcast where I'm interviewing a lot of self-made millionaires, seven-figure business Absolutely. owners, world-class experts, and. So now, like that, that's why when you ask that question, if this has been a year ago or two years ago or something, it'd be clearer. But now yeah. it's kind of it's a little bit more vague because I'm learning from so many people. But I really yeah. do. I keep a list of my top. I call them my top twenty-five VIPs, and these are a list of mentors that I've had and people that mm-hmm. I, I I purposefully maintain contact with every within every twenty-one days because there's been yep. research on that. You want to stay in touch with people every twenty-one t- days. Um, I'm trying to stay in touch with these people because I really look up to them. So. So uh, Jermaine Griggs is definitely one of them. He's easily my best friend. Um, the guy is just a brilliant, brilliant. He is, he is years ahead of the rest of the world as far as marketing automation goes. He's just, it's wow. phenomenal. And for him, it's effortless because he's just got so many hours invested. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also a big fan of Ken McCarthy. You mentioned Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy mm-hmm. is, he's not quite the godfather of direct response marketing, but he's the godfather of the education of direct response marketing because yes. he, yeah. He learned direct response marketing and he became the figurehead like that. You're, like you said, he kind of, he is the God, he is a godfather of direct response marketing yeah. Yeah. for sure. Hands down. And he is so prolific and he's everywhere. Well, Kim McCarthy was his go-to guy for anything direct response that touched the internet. Ken had wow. had Ken had the very first, um, Ken was a direct, uh, direct response, like snail mail, marketer and he yep. got on the internet really early in fact so early he did the very first seminar on how to market online and even had um uh mark andreessen the guy who created netscape the first internet browser he presented and spoke at ken's first workshop like this is like mm-hmm. i think this is even maybe a little bit early like earlier than 1990 it might have been like 89 or 88 <laughs> So Ken was the first one to do that ever, and he has helped uh, countless people generate an insane amount of money by applying Mm. direct response principles to the internet. And they've been ahead of everything. Banner ads were invented at Ken's seminar. Uh, He's unfortunately kind of semi-retired. So, but 
Ken McCarthy, he's a great guy. Lloyd Irvin was a huge uh, influence on me. Tyler Garns was the VP of marketing at Infusionsoft for a number of years. I'm going to say five to seven years. And he left about a year and a half to two years before Infusionsoft got $50 million of investment capital from Goldman Sachs. Um, and he helped them scale their marketing budget from, I think he started with 500 bucks to where's around 25 million a year. Now, what are some other names? Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, there's th- those are kind of the big ones. Oh, Brian Kurtz is a big one. Brian was um, a VP at Boardroom. Boardroom, yeah. if anyone doesn't know that, Boardroom is one of the largest info publishers in the world. They've got newsletters and books and all that. Their customer database is around – I was at their office – uh, a year ago and for a conference and um, we got to do a tour of the office and I snuck away and I started actually like interviewing the staff and talking to the staff and I was asking about their customer list not not prospect not lead list their customer list and one person actually, quoted cost- me 7 million names another person quoted me 12 million names and the other person quoted me 9 million names so we're somewhere around 7 to 12 million seven, customers uh, <laughs> yeah somewhere in that ballpark like I don't think that company's done less than 40 million a year in like the last 20 years so um, that's incredible yeah, so they've definitely been my mentors. But Dan Kennedy's been a huge influence from a distance. Gary Halbert, uh, Gary Bensavenga. Um, I know I'm forgetting and missing people, but. What about uh, Rich Sheffron? To be honest, I've come across some of his stuff, and I've, mm-hmm. I've a lot of my friends speak highly of him, but I'm not very familiar with any of his stuff. And it's. I know. Nor am I. Nor am I, to be quite frank. Um, and that's an interesting thing. I. Um, you know, I see a lot of, I look at a lot of material and uh, I make sure that I'm, uh, I guess, at the, the sharp or the pointy end of things. And uh, it doesn't really grab me. I'm, it, I don't know what the, the, the general gist is of why that is the case, but um, there are certainly other far more compelling, um, I guess, leaders for, for lack of better ways to, to term it. Yeah, perhaps. Um, now, I think yeah. Todd Brown was uh, worked with Rich for a number of years, and I know Todd's stuff pretty, pretty. No, I wouldn't say very intimately, but I know Todd, and I have a ton of respect for Todd, and I'm pretty sure he was uh, Rich's marketing director for a number of years. So, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. so again, a lot of the circles overlap, but I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff, it's the same historic principles just applied mm-hmm. over and over in, in different fashions. Yeah. I, 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 from what I understand, what I feel is that. There's this, uh, you know, uh, it's almost um, akin to a, a mirage for some people that are not in the right mindset. Um, for those who are not strategic minded, the marketer will come at you with this almost mirage like uh, offer of how you can do this. And it's, a, you know, three quick steps to success. And, you know, I, I, one of the things we try to do at My Future Business is to dispel the myth that it's going to be a push-button solution because we're about providing real solutions for for lifestyle-driven entrepreneurs. Mm. And I think there's a lot of that going on. What's what's your take on that sort of thing? Yeah, I fully understand that. So all of us, we're always looking for shortcuts. And it's not even so much that we want the magic pill, but a big part of it, I think, is people want – we're always trying to do things better, right? We don't want to do, we don't want to waste time and energy. Like humans, we're scarcely minded. We don't talk about the abundance of clean air. We talk about the, you know, how scarce clean air is because of how much smog is imposing on us. Like, so we're very scarcely minded because scarcity equals death. So we're constantly looking for ways to improve things and to simplify things. And marketers do do that. And it's a bit of a catch 22 because, um, you have to entice people and you have to get their attention and you have to get them involved in going. Do you, you know what I mean? Like I know, especially in martial arts, it, it, we called it proof of learning. And in someone's first 30 to 90 days at our school, it was really important. We taught them very basic, easy things that if they applied, they would see some sort of results. They might not be phenomenal results, but they had to build that confidence because if, once they had the confidence and they saw that they were capable of doing this and getting progress then they would you know then all of a sudden if they had a failure because they're trying something harder it wouldn't crush them but in the beginning if they get crushed by something or they fail a lot of people will just give up so it's a bit of a catch-22 where you can be too hypey because you're just trying to get attention and some people they take that and they just sell garbage and some people um and there's like i want to like 
in any industry, there's always a mixed bag, right? Good people, right? But some people, like the only reason why they manage to stay quote unquote gurus is because their, their entire business model is based off their friends promoting them. And that's how these, a lot, some of these, I'm going to say some, because not a lot, because there's some great guys out there, but some of them, that's how they succeed. They have a network of friends and they all promote each other. And then the people, Mm -hmm. the end user, they buy, like you said, this three quick tips to two put clicking two buttons (laughs) and having a business, but no one's having success with it. But no one can really complain or anything because all the other gurus are saying that it's a great product. So people think that's, it's them. So I think that's kind of the good and the ugly of it. If, if Yeah, well, um, I, I certainly I get that. And, you know, because I, I see the fine line that's walked between, um, you know, building the desire through, um, through appropriate messages aimed at the right people at the right time with the right media. But then you see, I guess, the, the other side. And um, one of the things that I, I actively pursue is this, I, I'm not sure realistic is the best word for it, but an understanding or a clarity behind um, the fact that there will be some work involved if you're going to transition your, let's say, traditional bricks and mortar business to an online environment or parts of both. Uh, it, it, there, there's no push button solution. There's, there's going to be some work involved. Um, so... That really brings me back to you know what's happening with you right now. Um, are, you, are you doing uh, lots of work with clients? Are you involved with projects? What can you tell us? Yeah, well, that's thank you. I appreciate you asking that. Um, right now, what I'm really focused on is I've actually just fired a bunch of my clients, and not because of them in any way, shape, or form, but really because I'm trying to get more time and attention to focus on my own things. So, like I mentioned, have the podcast, and the the goal is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. And when I say that, people are like, how are you going to create 200 new multimillionaires? And I go, well, because people do better when they know better. So that's why I'm interviewing people who are, because I'm not going to try and say, I have all the answers. I have some answers and I've proven myself in different arenas, but I have failures as well and no one's perfect. So I want to get as many people who have been down the road of success and get them to just spill their guts and tell us what to do and, you know, and then provide coaching and training around that. So that's really what I'm focused on now is um, just getting the podcast out there. We've got a monthly program called Best Business Monthly where we're trying to help with business owners, get them focused and get them working on their business, not just in their business on a weekly basis. And then and taking yeah. some of the most valuable things that we've learned from our experts and creating courses around them. So that's really where my focus is at now. Um, I still work with clients, but it's kind of a catch-22 because some of the stuff that we do, like when you build some of the – like here's an example. The martial arts school I had was been closed now for, for a number of years, but – I still get leads. Like I still have people trickling in and the autoresponders are still running. Like some of the, like, you know yeah. what I mean? And I've shut yeah. certain things off, but I still get emails from people like, Hey, when I could, can I come in and drop in for a class? And I, it's funny because I, and I tried to sell it to a competitor. I was like, look, man, you really need to get this system. And he just, he couldn't, didn't understand it. He was like, ah, no, like he didn't see any value, but it's been now, years. And there's, I'm, there's a, there's a, there's a two step solution. If there ever was one, I know, I know. Well, and it's funny because I've joked with some of my friends, uh, about, how you know like they've paid off like their you know they paid for their website like their hosting and all that and they've paid for their autoresponders and you know like all this stuff is kind of paid up in advance so they're like i could disappear for five years and you know i could be dead and no one would really know because my family wouldn't know how to shut anything off like (laughs) family wouldn't know how to take down the website and how to change the email like they wouldn't know how to do that so people still be signing up and like getting emails and thinking this person exists so um fantastic So what, you know, everybody comes from somewhere and you, you, we touched on that a little bit. We've all made mistakes and we all have a life and we, we, we create a, a trail, we blaze the trail as it were. What was the first thing that you got into when you found the online environment? What was the, what did you dip your toes into first off? Oh, that's a great, 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 great question. So in the beginning, it was about beating my competitors because it was a local market. So it was about beating them and getting the new prospects, getting the new leads. So it was about search engine marketing and online marketing and just being where people are looking for you. And that was a combination of just generating a ton of free content, just a ton of free content. And then and organizing it because the other thing that people don't get is the internet is an index, right? That's what a search engine is. That's why Google won because they were the best index. That's what they were. They were the yeah. best, cleanest index because when you want to search for something, you know, you don't want to get garbage. So you uh-huh. have to, that's where keyword research and all and tags and meta tag and like all this other stuff, it's all just trying to tell a computer 
who you are and, you know, and like what you look like and what you're about. And so mm-hmm. um, it was just putting out a ton of free content in multimedia, which means that, you know, we would put up blog posts. We would, uh, we would be interviewed by other people or blog on other people's pages. We would do videos. We would upload images. The goal was that any time someone wanted to look for something in our local arena, we had so much content out that, that we would come up no matter what they were yep. searching for. And that's yep. actually a really powerful strategy if, as far as like being everywhere. Being everywhere because mm-hmm. your own website can only really show up in one place on the search engine, right? Google won't let you take over a whole page. But yep. that was this is like an old strategy. It still works to a certain extent. But like if you can mm-hmm. get, you know, on Bloomberg, like this, of course these are crazy examples, right? But if you can get on like a university website and on Bloomberg and, you know, and WordPress.com, the course site, you know, puts something for you up and you have your own website and someone searches your name all or your keywords, all those are going to show up and they will push your competitors off the page because their sites have greater authority and, re- you know, relevance and all that. So yes. in the beginning, that's what it was. It was a lot of that. It was learning about how to work with the index and how to get out there and how does the internet work and, and realizing mm-hmm. that, wow, there's, you can put something out there and it will sit there almost like evergreen, we call it. It'll just sit there yeah. almost eternally and people can find that and it'll lead them back to me in one sh- one way, shape or form. Yep. Yep. So you, you talk about automation. And uh, I, I suddenly start to think about, you know, as soon as you said Evergreen, I, I had in mind uh, Evergreen business systems and those types of automated webinars. What do you think about those t- types of approaches? Do they have their place? Oh, totally. And in fact, this goes to uh, back to one of the books that I wrote, uh, that I wrote, actually the one that did the best. And when we talked, I kind of talk about the history of direct response marketing. And this isn't based on any accurate data, but it's off of all the research I've done and learning I've done. I feel like this mm-hmm. is kind of how it evolved. It sounds like this is yeah. where it came from. And that's where uh-huh. and back in the day, all anyone like a, a business owner was kind of a sales rep that had a horse and buggy that would go town to town, door to door, trying to sell his wares. Right, you have to go meet people and sell them some stuff. And this is pre-post, you know, this is before we had a post office system and all that stuff. So someone's going around knocking on doors and pulling into into markets and giving presentations. And some ambitious sales rep, you know, he's got a wife with a baby on the way or something. He needs to he needs to make more money somehow, and he's trying to figure out how do I get through more doors in a day. And he realizes that every time he knocks on someone's door, he he says the same thing. He goes through the same spiel. So he's like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe if I wrote that down and I paid like a schoolboy or something to run ahead of me and deliver my like my, my letter, I could just show up and answer their questions. And I'll get through more doors faster. And so he starts doing that, right? Yeah. And he starts getting through. And then what he realizes is that, hey, some of these boys are coming back with money. People are just ready to buy without even meeting me. So then he adds an order form to the letter. And now his model changes to where he's pulling into a town and he's having these letters distributed by boys or girls or whoever, right? By children or even not. Like, But you get the point. And now he's able to yeah. reach more people. And his conversion rate is less. And this is a really important point. His conversion rate for sales is lower because it's not that face-to-face kneecap to kneecap presentation but it can scale unlike mm-hmm. anything else they've done before so now you right. just asked about webinars and a webinar yeah. is a presentation it's a recorded simulated live can be simulated live presentation yeah. so sales letters video sales letters uh, webinars teleseminars these are all methods that you can use to literally can and clone your sales presentation so you can scale it because one of the hardest problems for most businesses is scaling sales. That's training yeah, the sales yeah. force to sell, getting them to be consistent, yeah. right? And, and and getting people to work because people are dilatory and we, you know, we all that stuff. But yeah, so yeah, to answer yeah. your question that is a great model and a great method to, 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 to pursue to support whatever else you're doing. Because I, I, I come back to, you know, full circle on other things and, and copy to me is obviously very, very important as it should be um, in many respects, be it in video format or long form sales letters. And, and then you, you start to think about this whole um, construction of your automated webinar and uh, and you think how important is copy in your world and you know how 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 have you gone about the process of understanding 
the process of copying and doing it? Do you do it yourself? Do you outsource it? What do you think about copy in the big scheme of things? Well, copy is is super important now, but something that unfortunately that's a dismay to a lot of copywriters is copy is it is very important, but it's not the most important thing. What is the most important thing is the list. Because the list, if you have great copy, and copy is your sales presentation. So if I have the best sales presentation for my gourmet food, but I'm delivering it to people who are leaving a restaurant and they just finished eating, the copy doesn't matter. Like they'll be like, wow, that's great, but I'm so full, man. Like, nah, right? So (laughs) that's like the key thing. And that's, and, but the real benefit of copy is to write copy, you have to understand who you're writing to, to have an impact. So it's actually Mm -hmm. the process you go through in copywriting that's the real value, not the copywriting itself. You meant ask about my mentors. One of my mentors was Glenn Livingston. He's a very, very, very brilliant man. Comes from a family of like 17 psychologists and psycho and like therapists and talk yep. about understanding psychology. And he's, he sold over $20 million in consulting to the fortune 500 to go in and help them launch new product lines and all the, all the big names that you know, that you've heard of mm-hmm. that are in our houses. And for him, he doesn't write copy. He assembles mm. it and not in the sense of like how we told, we're told about that. Cause some people say that they don't write copy. They assemble it by taking piece, you know, you write a whole bunch of stuff and you take the best and you know, you organize it, you know, like you work it like a sculpture, but Glenn means in the sense yeah. of he assembles it because he surveys the snot out of his client base. And then he's got some methods yeah. that he uses to, to determine what's a valid response versus an invalid response. Cause a lot of times people don't know what they want. And then he assembles their answers into a structure that that he then goes and uses as copy. So for me, um, you it's hard to do. That's a really great. Sorry, that's a really great. Because I think a lot of people um, don't really understand the crux behind creating appropriate. I guess is the best word for it. Appropriate copy for the for the right market, for the right target audience. And this use of surveys, just a piece of gold for, for listeners to take away. And I guess it, it flows on to the next question, Daryl, if you don't mind. Sure. And, and that's about um, where would you – how do you put together a, a, a survey that they can use? And um, is it something that you do on a cold list or do you do it to existing customers or prospects? What's, what's, the, what's the process behind that part of it? Well, so now we're getting into kind of some market research stuff. And part of that is because you can't use the same survey results on everybody. So, for example, let's say I make um, let's say I make emergency blankets. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could go to Haiti right after the earthquake and sell a ton of them. And then I could go and sell them to climbers and like outdoorsy people that want to take them, you know, to sleep with and have, you know, because they're outdoor camping. So my survey answers from the people in Haiti isn't going to help me sell this to the hikers and backpackers as well. So again, it comes down to, it comes down to the, again, the steps you go through with copy. So to answer your question, I mean, there's a ton of stuff on the internet for, you know, different questions answered, but the reality is, is just like, learn the people you're trying to help. And some people, I think where they get caught up is they're in a business model that doesn't lend it self to scaling and now more than ever we are in a global economy i mean i can facetime my friends in japan and i'm talking to people in tokyo in real time over video like that's right right now you're in australia i'm in canada we are in a global economy and you might be a local business but depending on what you do and that's again because if you're local the numbers can be really small and it can be hard to like you can be hard to validate why you should segment things and blah 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 but it's just Mm. it's just understanding the people it's just understanding why they like Gary Bensavenga said problems are markets it's not an age group it's not a demographic it's not a psychographic it's a problem problems are Mm. markets I'm hungry I'm bored I'm lonely like you know what I mean like I'm like all these that's what it is so when when you ask about the surveying that you have to find people having a certain problem find out why it's a problem you know how long has it been a problem what are the consequences of the problem and what does the solution mean for them and what will it do Mm. for them and when you understand these things I mean this is again this is from Glenn this is from Glenn Livingston but he was saying that he would never he entered 17 markets profitably all at once Um, and he said he would 
would never enter a market until he felt changed from his research about them. Like until he mm. felt empathetic, like felt empathy for the people yeah. he was trying to serve because he understood them so well. He walked, uh, you know, a mile in their shoes, so to speak. Right. Because when you know that, now you understand the terms of the business. And uh, uh, one of my guests, Brad Martin, no, he has a great quote. Um, hold on. You are definition. Sorry, I'm looking this up because he has this great quote. Ah, he says, when you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does not say a person who answers phones, mops floors, and you know what I mean, like like yeah, does yeah, the sales, yeah. fulfills on the product, does the copywriting, does the graphic. That's not it. A person who organizes and operates a business or businesses. So now we're talking mm-hmm. about understanding a group of people who need help and organizing people to help them. Yeah, yeah. And setting it up in a structured way that doesn't depend on you because if we want to talk about Robert Kiyosaki, the difference between being self-employed and a business owner is self-employed. You literally just have a job. Whereas a business owner, you you've like created something like a community, like an asset, like a, a transferable thing, like a car that isn't dependent on you. That solves a problem for a certain group of people. And that's, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. again, coming, I think back to it. So, um, obviously this speaks to, you know, and not we're, we're painting in broad strokes. So I would like to caveat this because I'm not, you know, this, someone's going to write back and be like, well, that doesn't apply to X, Y, Z. Okay. But generally this applies to everything. And that's, that's the goal. So you want to, yeah, we're just trying to lay it out on the table for the listeners and, you're just you're really giving us some some in you know insight and especially for you know the beginner and the intermediates they'll just be lapping this up so it's, mm. we really appreciate it of course um, I, I really I want to circle back more towards you I, I want to touch on if we can Daryl when you were first you know early days you know back when when you had long hair <laughs> all the rest of it. <laughs> 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 when you were trying to identify what it was that, you know, people used to use the word strength. I wish I had a better way to ask the question, but did it ever occur to you that you had to look for what your strength was when you were starting out as well as your passion? Or did they both come naturally to you? No, I think a lot of people, you just have to find your way, you know, we're kind of lost and we don't really know what we want or what we like or don't do. And that's part of the the beauty of life is the journey of discovering that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So, no, I didn't. And you know, I did a bunch of different things and trying to figure out. The one blessing that I have, I think, is I did a program called Katimovic when I was 17, which was a, um, it, well, it used to be a federally funded program for, for youth in Canada. Now it's no longer federally funded, but it still exists. And they would put together a group of boys and girls, and it would be around 10 people, and it would be half guys, half girls, and it was meant to represent Canada. So there would be like, there was like three people from Ontario, because statistically most people are from Ontario. You know, we had a few French people, we had a bilingual person, we even had an Inuit guy, Kenny, from Arctic Bay, Baffin Island, the northernmost village of Canada. He didn't even speak English, all he spoke was Inuktitu when he came down. And for nine months, <laughs> we lived together and we spent three months in a different province each and we had full-time volunteer jobs and every night we volunteered in the community and that gave yep. me a ton of experience life experience wow. i did you know wow. i did so many different tasks during that time i did a parade i did a soup kitchen you know i did like all yep. this these different things so it gave me a wide spectrum so i got to figure out what i did like and what i didn't like but you know what you know what rick i still didn't really know what i want mm. i knew some of the stuff i didn't like and i didn't really know what i wanted so I actually thought about doing a course on this, on helping people find their passion, but I never took oh, it. I, I, put I some think it would be a great opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's an activity for the listeners. If you feel that you're trying to figure out what that passion is, I mm-hmm. sat down one day with a paper and a pen, and I made a timeline of my life. And I just tried – I went forwards and backwards as best as I could, and I just put down on it all the milestones and highlights and things and like like phases that I could remember. You know, it was, and it's not going to be perfect, but I, I gave myself a good chunk of time, and I sat down and did that. And then I tried to draw a line to connect the dots between the commonalities. And one of the things that I really noticed is my entire life I've been teaching, I've been coaching, I've been mentoring from when I was babysitting. 
you know, when I was a kid, when I was just finally old enough to babysit and I got babysitting some neighborhood kids in that. Like I, you know, like I've always kind of been in that role and that's where I realized, oh, I kind of seem to draw to that. And, and so that's, that's probably a bet, a really good bet for someone to try and just look back and think of the highlights and draw a line if they can. And if that doesn't work, Denzel Washington has this great quote, um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to remember it properly, but he talks about, and I'm not a religious person, but I am spiritual, and he just says that that itch that you have, that thing that you have inside you that you feel like you want to do and express, that's God's proof to you that that's your purpose in life, and you just need to go out and claim it. And so a lot of yeah. people don't because they're just afraid. Oh, but I got to make money, and what happens if I don't have this job? But nature abhors a vacuum, and um, so if you let go, you know, you're, you, if your hands are full, you can't accept anything. Mm, so mm. it's part like so wow. that's the fear of letting go of stuff. And so that's that really trouble. Yeah. That's, that's great feedback. Um, I've just, I feel like I'm in a wind tunnel here getting blown away by all of this great feedback. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just amazing. I, I, I often like to talk about, you know, the motivations, the daily motivations, the short-term uh, motivations, the long-term visions and strategies. And really right now, I, I, I want to know, do you do you ever wake up of a morning and say to yourself, I'm not motivated today? Hmm. Does that happen to, is that, is that a, a worldwide trait of human beings or is that isolated to, uh, you know, those with a, a mindset that's not, not, not becoming of leaders in their field or do you? Tell us a bit about that. Do you have those days? Sure. Oh, of course. Of course. Everyone has those days, and it's totally natural. Um, so some days I totally – I very much don't feel like doing anything, and I have – it's one thing that's funny because you mentioned it. Some days I have days where I feel great, and I'm like – and I finish the day, and I'm like, wow, today was such a great day. And then I look back at like what I accomplished, and I'm like, I didn't really do anything today, did I? And then I have other days where I'm like, today was a terrible day. I was so – and I'm like stressed out. You know, it was terrible. And then I look, and I'm like, man, it was a great day. So I realize that how I feel about things is very little – very, very little impact on how things actually went. So, um, and that comes yeah. back to going about the survey and, you know, you have to be careful about the answers because people don't necessarily know, they know what they think, they don't necessarily know the, rea- the yeah. real answer. So to answer your question though, I've had a mantra for, geez, I would say probably almost 10 years now and uh, it hasn't really changed much. It went from I will to I am, um, but I am living a long, happy, healthy, joyful and wealthy life. And that's really my goal is I want to live a long, happy, healthy, joyful and wealthy life. And I another thing that's that's kind of led me to is is you there's no days off on that. Like when you have a goal for how you want to live your life, there's no weekend. And when you look outside and you see the birds and the squirrels, like we're all animals. Okay, sure. We might be in God's image or, you know, we're sentient and that's great, but we're still animals. We're still flesh and blood and have same yep. organs and that. So they don't take any days off and they do okay. Squirrel's not like, you know what? I'm tired. I've been searching so hard for food this week. If any predators come around, I'm going to tell them to come bug me on Monday. Like that just doesn't happen. But humans, we are out like we are out of the food chain. Like people, that's that's incredible. For every other creature on this planet, life ends with screaming and something eating your stomach like while yes. you're alive. Right? So It's pretty confronting. <laughs> right. So we've got, since we're like since we don't have that, since we don't have like a tiger breathing down our neck, we we have like these lazy days. So I don't believe in days off is another part nah. of it. And I saw this yeah. movie yeah. called Groundhog Day a while ago that it was this oh, yeah. guy, you know it? Is that Bill Murray? Yes, Bill Murray. He yes. for whatever reason he just wakes up one day and he's stuck in time. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he just keeps <laughs> yes. having the same day over and over and over again and so he starts optimizing his day almost, right? So yeah. I thought about what would my ideal day – just talking about motivation. I thought, thought about what would be – if I only could live one day every day of my life, what would that day look like? And I kind of wrote it out and you know, and I had how I want to wake up and how I want to spend my morning and how, the rest of my day. And I just try to do that and that's – like I just try to stick to that. And um, so that's part of it. And the motivation part in some places, it might be because people are doing something they don't care about or they're not – you know what I mean? That's uh-huh. not tied to them and yeah. that's – but I mean, ultimately, yeah. you have to push through it. Um, you know, some days you don't feel like going to the gym, but you always feel great after you've done it. So, routine and yeah. habits are are quintessential to success. And surrounding yourself with other people—that's actually a huge one. Being in a in a group mm. of people who are going to push you. If you hang out with nine crackheads, and you're you know 
and you're not a crackhead, but you're going to feel good about yourself because of how accomplished you are for them, but they're not going to motivate you to be any better. Is that a bit like the uh, best house on the worst street? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the worst yeah. thing you want to do is be the smartest person in the room because you, it's going to be, I mean, you, you learn through teaching in that, but you learn a lot more when you're a student and you're applying yeah. hands-on. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, are you a... Are you more, uh, you know, into into your day in the AM or the PM? Do you, are you an early riser or a late starter? That's a great question. I've been both in my life, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know which I am because I can sit up and work until three AM, no problem, and love mm-hmm. the fact that the world's gone quiet around me and I'm undisturbed and able to focus. So I can it's beautiful. I can do that, but. I'm in a really good, I'm probably like, I'm, I don't know, September, October, November, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. So I'm around nine months, 10 months into a routine where I'm up every day at like 5.30, a.m. and I work out except for mm-hmm. weekends, so Monday to Friday. And it's just been awesome, but it means I go to bed earlier. So the last kind of nine months or so, you know, it's been that. But before that, I mean, when I had uh, uh, my client that I went to California with and I helped them make three and a half million dollars with the, you know, the 1.4 that was based exclusively on the funnel that I built for them evenings and weekends, that stuff was all built like late night, like 10 to 2 a.m. So it's tough. It's tough to say. I don't know if I have a preference, but personally, I feel better and I and I notice I am more productive if I'm up early and I start my day with with breaking a sweat. Just hands down. There's just yeah. nothing that gets your day going like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm on the cross trainer at probably seven o'clock in the morning religiously. Yep. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm right into hydration. I make sure I get a, a, as much water as I can get first thing. Mm. Uh, I try to cut my the diuretics, so I don't drink soft drinks. And you know, I think all of these things combined have a real impact on your ability to function with a level of clarity that would otherwise be absent. Yeah. Um, you know. Yep. So, but that's a personal I, thing, you know, and it depends on their life structure as well. So if someone listens to this call, if they have kids and stuff, and, the, you know, like maybe they can't have a morning like that. So maybe for them the nighttime is perfect after the kids have gone to bed. So, yeah. I mean, ultimately we're humans, and the cool thing about being human is that we can be anything. If you want to be a morning person, be a morning person. If you want to be a night owl and, and make your millions, you know, working the midnight – burning the midnight oil, do that because – the difference between us and a lot of animals is when you see a dog, the dog will only ever be a dog and it will only ever do the handful of things that dogs do. But as a human, I can decide I want to take up skydiving and tomorrow I now become a skydiver. I decide yeah. I want to take up golf and now I become a golfer. And so mm-hmm. exact same thing and, and it's it, consistency, you know, commitment, consistency, dedication, discipline, you know, deadlines like, you know, the, those handful of things will get you where you need to go and, and just really make sure you're surrounded by that's a huge thing. If you are not in an environment where you're being challenged or pushed and honestly, sometimes your enemies are the best motivation because they just keep you moving forward, right? And you they don't yeah. let you rest. Um but you just you need that because nothing fails like success. You know when you you get that fat cat. You know you don't have to try that hard. Like that's that's the beginning of the downfall. So yeah, absolutely. I mean uh, oh, that that just rings so many bells. I'm sure for our listeners, and that that's just fantastic. <laughs> when we when we think about you know all of the I guess the darker times that we have in our lives uh, from a from being an entrepreneur. Um, what do you think in, in your, let's call it a career for lack of better ways to term it, the hardest thing that you've had to face in your business that was the, that ultimately ended up being the most enlightening for you? What was the hardest thing? I think business is very Shakespearean because in all of Shakespeare's works, the people fell victim to their flaws. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the same thing. So for myself, I've done a number of different aptitude tests and a couple that are very well reputed and, and, um, you know, Briggs Myers and, uh, Briggs Myers and I forget what some of the other ones, there's one called a trimetrics and it's apparently it's 68% accurate, uh, based on like how you compare to the, to the U S population. And that one specifically, I scored extremely high in a lot of areas, um, sometimes double over the average person, which is great. But for me, a big weakness Mm -hmm. is organization and, and, and teamwork. Um, 
And so, you know, in some ways that's been it because we talk about the challenges and that I noticed that I'm, I am in a lot of ways, the bottleneck. I'm the bottleneck and I'm the problem because I try to do everything myself. And I had a mentor. I met a, set a goal when you're to meet nine millionaires because I, you know, a yep. guru was like, if you want to be broke, hang with nine broke people. I was like, forget that. I want to be rich. I'm going to be nine million. And I did. And one yeah, guy, he told me, Daryl, everyone's going to be a beta version of you no matter what. You're just going to have to accept that and you have to build your life and your business around that and just, and just live yep. with it. And um, that's been huge. Being able to get more people. I've, all the big successes I've had have been when I've, I've teamed up with people and I've been part of the team versus trying to go do the lone wolf thing. Um, so this is really, this is, this is, I guess where the uh, coming in from the side about the whole me- need for mentoring. And this is partly to do with that exposure in, in, you know, high end mentoring groups is, is for you is mentoring something that you can uh, for the sake of our readership and listeners, uh, something that you can do, online through a, like an inner circle or is this something that people need to get off their backside get in their car get in a plane or whatever they need to do and, and meet you know um bums to the bar so to speak mm. what what's the better with that um i think it's a bit of both because right now the way the world works so i mentioned jermaine griggs and he's had a huge impact on my life um he i had a ton of knowledge but i wasn't able to generate you know and it's not my first million i wish i'm working on my personal first million but for my client the first million i made them (laughs) um i wouldn't have done it without some of the insights he gave me that really helped connect the dots and that was done most of the, the that exchange was done just through facebook messaging you know, I met him in person once, reached out to him because I was going to a conference and he was going to be speaking at the conference and I, and we just hit it off and we became friends. And for like a year and a half, two years, our entire life was online. In fact, I lived, like I mentioned before, at the martial arts school. I was in such a small town. I didn't really feel this town is very much uh, like a government town, an institutional town. So there's not really a lot of support for entrepreneurs um, in that sense. So honestly, in some ways I became antisocial. No, I wouldn't say antisocial, but I just didn't like... I didn't see purpose in going in because the whole thing, who you are, the type of people you surround yourself with. So I would just volunteer, like I would volunteer, I would get paid to do coaching, consulting with people, or I would get paid to do stuff for them. I literally yeah. just filled my life with being in this, like this interview we're doing now, like I would yeah. try to sit and soak in these types of conversations as much as I could, whether they're in person, whether it's in text online, whether it's a phone call, I just wanted that, like almost like a muscle. Like, you know, if you do yeah. every morning you wake up and you do push ups until you collapse, and you wake up and you do push-ups until you collapse and your goal is to be able to do 200 push-ups in a row if you keep that up you will get there right you know you'll have injuries you'll whatever but that was the goal was I'm like I am gonna make it I'm committed to this and I just went and I've paid for coaching and I've gotten free coaching and I've put together coaching groups and it was it was you know it It's tough to say. That's all I'm going to say is I've had ones that were like free that were phenomenal. I've had ones that paid were way better than any of the free ones were. And I've had ones that I paid for that I'm like, yeah, you know, the one I'm paying a little bit less for is actually better. So, um, just, but you can't, you can't be afraid to try and you you have to keep going. And here's the other thing that's really been surprising is that often you only really need like like the whole 80-20 principle. Like you only really need one or two ideas. You know, one or two ideas. You could be in a coaching program, like a mastermind program, and you could be paying the thousand or whatever they're charging, the exorbitant amount of money you think that you're paying for that. And you sit in there for four months, and you're like, this is just a waste of my money, blah, blah, blah. And then the fifth month comes around and you get some sort of breakthrough and then you make $50,000 every year more because of that. And yeah. you just, it's it's like you just, you can't predict the future. It's all hindsight. So you just have to move with fear through things and just be smart about managing your finances. And you know what I mean? And just, yeah, but just stick to the principles. You just got to stick with the principles and go. And it's not always going to work, but you, they're principles for a reason and you just stick with them. For a reason. I mean, this is just like a a wind tunnel of education for our listeners and, Daryl, you're an inspiration, and um, I guess you know we could talk for hours and hours and hours. I just feel that there's a, a certainly a, a synergy in terms of, of what we're interested in, and and it's just been a fantastic uh, 45 minutes or so talking with you. But I, I really want to get to the point where we close out on on two final things, if you don't mind. Of course. And the the one of them is that if you had to. 
if you had to start from a fresh slate, what would be the one thing that you would do differently? Now, how fresh are we talking? Like a fresh, like how fresh is fresh? Like I'm when we're saying let's let's just use a, a, a reference point of your first major client. If you had a first major client, what would be the one thing that you would have changed in terms of your customer experience with them delivering customer service and things like that? Because we all times we all have you know not so great experiences, and you know I, I certainly have a handful of things that I would done differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Part of it just comes down to just being authentic and sincere. I, 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 what would I do differently? I, I would try to avoid being distracted as much. I would probably have gotten a mentor sooner. I would probably have been more adamant around – like even now, I told you I'm firing all my own clients. I'm firing all my own yes. clients because I've been freelance doing what I've been doing for just over a year now. But mm-hmm. – I've done more for my clients than I've done for myself. And in right. some ways I'm like I'm like upset with myself about not like in a bad way, but you know what I mean? No, like, no. It's like bad if day. I didn't cling to the cuz it's easier to do work for other people than for yourself. So if yes. I like if I didn't cling to that, I would be miles ahead now. Like I would I would have my own seven figure I really would. I would li- like I would yes. literally have my own seven figure automated funnel cuz I've done work for clients and I'm like they're on the path for theirs and I'm like geez, I did that for them or and not necessarily I don't want to say take all the credit, but I did that with no, them. You know what I mean? In this time span, yeah. it's like I've had two times, three times, four times that time, and I haven't done it for myself. So that's kind of part of it. I I don't really know what the answer is because – and I, forgive me. I know I'm verbose, but I, I – in the beginning, <laughs> it was so good for me and my education to get involved in as many different projects. Like I had like time blocks. So this is when I work yeah. on my you know my business, nine to five. But then evenings and weekends, I would – I would get on the phone with you to help you with what you like, whoever I meet you at a conference, you're having a problem. Let's sit down and talk. Like I would feel that. And that's been so beneficial. But now I'm almost at the point yeah. where I need to shut everyone out and just really focus on doing it for so, myself. And so that's when you ask, what would I do differently? I would try to be sharper in when that turning point came. That's a great response. That is a fantastic response. And, you know, I, I you know, if I were a, a far more visionary individual i would say i know where you're going to be in a couple of years time and it's going to be at the at the sharp pointy bit of leadership and doing what you do because you're an inspiration and just talking with you i i you know i should be going to bed but i don't think i'll be able to sleep for the next hour or so (laughs) after this call because i'm pumped up uh, you know and that's really what this is all about is pump people up to know not believe but to know inside themselves that they have the ability to be bigger and better than what they are today and there is uh, a future for them and their business if they want to get it bad enough yeah uh, so look yeah. daryl can i ask you one more thing please of course you can how can people <laughs> wouldn't you be shocked if i was like no we're sorry <laughs> I'll, like, well, I'll be going right that's it right? <laughs> no, 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 no it's fine no no of course of course I'm here to add You've asked in the world. Questions. <laughs> look how can people find you um you know i, I actually I saw your blog, uh, your uh, your list of uh, podcasts on iTunes, and it's prolific, to say the least. Uh, and you know, can we talk a little bit about how people can find more about you? Sure. I mean, you can always look me up on Facebook, Daryl Urbanski, U R B A N S K I. You can do that on any social media platform, and you'll you'll find I've got a presence there. You can go to bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, both two places I work out of. Um, and okay. that you can get on our list. We actually have a program called Million Dollar Mondays where if you sign up, um, it's free, and you sign up with your email and your cell phone number, and every Monday you get a text, and that text message is to help focus your thinking in your business for the week, and that's a free mm-hmm. service that I offer. So that's uh, right. it's the bestbusinesscoach.ca. And, of course, you can listen to the podcast, which is the best business podcast, although I realize that everybody wants to have the best business something, so we're, like, buried <laughs> in this huge list. So if you search my name, it'll probably come up, but you can, you'll find it as well if you search that. But just Excellent. look online, reach out, and I encourage people to do that, whether it's me or even to you like if you listen to this and you're like man rick is the coolest guy ever i wish he was my friend start like just reach out you'd be surprised some of the people like i interviewed a guy on my podcast that has helped generate over a billion that's with a b billion dollars of sales because we reached out and asked like 
Yeah. Like just people, they just don't get again the power of what you have in your fingertips. People don't realize that, you know, years ago. The most, the best you could have, like if you had a problem, your only way to get an answer was your own experience in formal education, the experiences in formal education of the people in your network around you that you could access, or the library. And if it was a library, you had to go and pull out a book. You had to go find the section. You have to pull out the 12 books that you think might have it and then go through them page by page. I can just look it up on my phone and have the answer in two seconds. I can go, hey, who's the world expert in blank? get their name, look them up on social media and send them a message and be like, hey, and you can get the world's expert, leading expert to answer your questions just by asking. It's scary cool how much power there is at our fingertips. That little little mouse button that goes click, you know, it's underutilized. It's, uh, you know, it's just a fantastic thing. But um, for everybody listening to this podcast, um, I will also be making um, these links available uh, direct to Daryl's site so that you can fast track your way to to Daryl and uh, reach out to him, as he's mentioned. Um, Don't hound him. I'm sure he's very busy, but certainly reach out, say hello and and even let him know uh, where you found him through. And I'll be sending out some follow up emails with those links. So Daryl Urbanski. Uh, a legend, a, a scholar. Um, thank you so much for your time. This has been the My Future Business podcast. And uh, look, Daryl, let's talk again soon. Yes, I would look forward to it. And thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to serve you and your listeners. Thank you, Daryl.